Welcome to Not the Expert, where a man who understands nothing talks with experts who know way more than him. It's your source for sounding smarter than you actually are. Not the Expert Podcast with Sean Hudson. I'm not the expert. You can call me Hudson. I'm joined by Michaela McSpadden. Hi. Michaela, you are the expert when it comes to being a Division II female athlete. And I emphasize Division Two, not to be harsh, but there are some important differences between Divisions One, Two, and Three. Yeah, definitely. So, all right, that's check and check. Also, you know, you're a female, you're not a man. There's also, I know for a fact, there's some differences between men and women. <laughs> what makes you an uh, expert, though, is that you played softball for 14 years. You played collegiately at a Division Two school. You currently coach Division Two softball. You attended and played in the D2 Women's College World Series in 2014. Your school won the Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference, a.k.a. the PSAC, uh, in 2017. Four-time division champion, by the way. You're also a four-time, here we go, National Fast Pitch Coaches Association. That's a long title. All-American Scholar Athlete, Scholar Athlete of the Year. That is correct. So we're going to jump into uh, some of these differences here in just a second. But if you want to catch up with more episodes of Not The Expert Podcast, you got a couple of options. You can subscribe on SoundCloud by searching Not The Expert Podcast or follow along and join the conversation on Facebook by searching Not The Expert Podcast. Deja Pod, the eerie feeling you're listening to the same podcast over and over again because you are. But now there's a cure. Not the Expert Podcast. Michaela, what are some of those differences in collegiate sports between the divisions? Well, I would say the most obvious differences are just size um, of the schools, the amount of money they have, and then the caliber of the athletes. So going all the way from Division One, you know, you have your big schools, which have the better facilities, more money, they have more resources, they do a lot more traveling, and they recruit the best athletes. You know, that's just... Right. Value. So it seems like in a way that almost like money talks like division one, that's they're just they're just pulling in more dollars. If it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. Exactly. That's probably the main focus of all of the divisions. But, you know, they have more money to give to better athletes. So the athletes will choose that school and bring better talent, win more championships and so forth. So then we have um, skipping around a little bit. We have division three, which is at face value, the lower caliber of athletes. So they actually have no athletic scholarships, which makes it tend to be more academically focused because athletes can receive academic money. They usually have less hours involved in the training, and then that gives them less traveling. And they're actually the biggest division. I looked this up today. So it sounds like most schools. So it sounds like when it comes to Division Three, the emphasis is more on the classroom than the playing field. Maybe. I mean, without a doubt, being a college athlete is difficult and takes a lot of time, but they do have, you know, smaller conferences. They're not doing the traveling. They're not getting on planes and flying across the country as often. So, therefore, it may equate to less time given. Gotcha. So, now, how does Division Two fall in between Division One and Three? So, Division Two is, like, kind of a little weird, and I get asked this question more than you would think. So, Division Two is right in the middle. It's actually the smallest conference. Um, there is athletic and academic money. It just depends on the school. And what I found with my own experience playing in one of the conferences with the least amount of money in the country is that it's kind of all over the place. You know, you have some conferences that are just very dominant and have a lot of money pumped in their programs. 
they recruit so much better. And then you have some of the other schools on the other end, which don't have as many um, resources as that. So it seems you'd say like less, I guess, maybe consistent is a really it's like you play one school, it's a grab bag. What you get is going to be completely different, maybe from like week to week. Yeah, that's actually a really good way of saying it. Um, We played schools that were in, you know, an hour south of us and they had stadium seating. Hmm. And then you drive up to our gym and we're literally, you know what I mean? We're pulling our own curtains or raking our own field. It just, it could be completely different and be so close. Now, do you think it's fair to say that lower division equals lower talent? I mean, that's kind of like a broad way of looking at things and there's definitely some value to that. But I know my own personal experience, I had a way, I mean, being a female athlete, that's one of the big things. There's no draft for us, you know, we're here for four years and then we're going to go into the quote unquote real world and get jobs and use our degree. So you kind of have to look at that situation and decide, you know, look, if you're rewarded any athletic money, if you're rewarded any academic money, um, if you're going to play, um, if you're going to be able to earn the degree that you want to be able to get the job that you want and that you can use. Gotcha. So now kind of like focusing on you a little more. You attended Westchester University. Go Rams. What Go was Rams, baby. what was the recruiting <laughs> process like coming out of high school for like you in particular? So recruiting, I had one of those moms that was just amazing and she had that Excel spreadsheet from the time I was in eighth grade. Goodness and gracious. Me. Michaela yeah, batted four fifty as a seventh <laughs> grader in T ball. It's a, you're really old to be playing t-ball in seventh grade. That's not accurate. <laughs> I hope not. Um, but yeah, she. I mean, she was amazing, and she dragged me all over the Northeast, and I got to visit a lot of schools. I got to play in front of a lot of coaches. They do kind of like Columbine. I mean, we don't call them that in the softball world, but it's similar, like skills camps where you kind of invite as many coaches as possible, and then you do like a workout in front of them. So I did a bunch of those, and I always knew I wanted to be a nurse pretty much from whenever you start thinking about what you want to do with your future that was pretty much always the end goal for me so that kind of limited limited me in the amount of schools that I could even look at because not everyone has nursing programs nor nursing programs that you can complete in four years so that kind of made it easy for me to kind of narrow down some schools I knew that financing college was going to be difficult so that if I could receive an athletic scholarship that would be the best case scenario and I also wanted to play for a good team You know, I had so many friends and so many people I knew that went D1 and they ended up either sitting on a bench their entire career or they knew when their last game was going to be. You know, last game of the season was the last time they were going to touch the field. And that's just something that, you know, didn't interest me. I wanted to be on a team that was going to go all the way and possibly give me the opportunity to go to playoffs and compete for a national championship. So it sounds like maybe that's this whole thing in a nutshell is like your decision process making because you wanted a scholarship for sports. You also, though, it's not like you were a Division One football player with maybe the dream of playing in the NFL. The end goal wasn't necessarily softball. It was maybe quality of life in like a civilian job. Yes, definitely. I'm that's, that's a really big thing for female athletes would be quality of life because once the four years is up, you kind of got to look at everything that you did and say, like, how can I use this? And I mean, I could, we could have another full podcast about all the skills you learn from being an athlete, but at the end of the day, you know, it's 
the degree you got and the experience you had and how is that going to help you get the job you want. So it seems like Westchester was the perfect blend of like academics meets athletics. Let's like backtrack a little bit in your career, though. You went to Spotswood High School, played softball. What were like your accolades at Spotswood when it comes to softball? So at Spotswood, we were in the blue division, which is one of the lower divisions of the Greater Middlesex Conference, which is where Spotswood plays. So we actually won our first divisional title my senior year. We are under a new coaching staff, and it was a really exciting time. I was, I think I was female scholar athlete of the year my senior year, and I was, you know, whatever those newspaper things are where you're on first team, second team, all that good stuff. Hey, you were good. That's like what matters. (laughs) I had an okay career. So I guess we can uh, assume, it's safe to assume that you were kind of like a, a big fish in what is like a small pond that is like this small school Spotswood. I don't know. I mean, I never felt like that, but I mean, I guess you could say it like mm-hmm. going on to like the differences differences between female athletes and male athletes. One of the big things that I remember is that when I received my athletic scholarship, my one administrator was super excited and wanted to put on this whole signing day thing for me. And it was super exciting time with my family. And then the one other person that worked at the school was kind of like, well, how much money did you get? And I was like, isn't that kind of rude to ask? What was the transition like going from high school to a highly competitive college team? Yeah, so I remember I remember this like it was yesterday. It was my first practice on Westchester's field, and I saw a fellow freshman of mine. She actually ended up being one of my really close friends. And I remember I was watching her field ground balls, and I went, oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, I do not belong here. It was just everything was so smooth and everything was so calculated and it was completely different than what I was used to. You know, like I said, I came from a lower divisional team, so I was just kind of used to doing my own thing. Um, I mean, I always worked hard, but I didn't really know what it was like to work hard until I got to Westchester. And something I can honestly say after four years there is that I felt lucky to be there every single day. I really did. And did you ever have a moment where those doubts subsided? Um, I think it was different every year. I mean, I fought for my spot every single year. Nothing was ever, you know, given to me or promised to me. So you definitely have that in college. Like, just because you played one year does not mean you're going to play even the next game. So every single day of practice is a competition. You know, that's kind of a mentality you learn early. I knew, I remember, it was my freshman year our first trip of our first games and we got off the bus and played and we won our first game and I didn't play. And then I was like, I think I was like eating a snack or something in between games. And my kitchen coach came up to me. She's like, okay, you're starting next game. Wow. Yeah. Hey, welcome. I literally almost threw up. I'm like, I'm not good enough to play. I'm not good enough to start. I'm not good enough. Like I, yeah, I definitely had a couple of moments where I was absolutely shook and was like, Oh my gosh this is really happening, but I don't know. It was different every year for me, I think. I'm going to get stereotypical for a second, and if I'm wrong, let me know, because I'm not the expert. I think women tend to be clicky. Did you ever struggle to fit in with this group of women? Well, one thing I I wasn't prepared for in college softball was, like, how close we were all going to be, because, you know, you play um, in high school and in travel, and you kind of have your own life outside of that. And then when I went to college, I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's literally this team 24-7. As far as hazing goes, no. The conference we play for, the PSAC is super strict, and Westchester is super strict about all that stuff. So that would never happen. But my the team was so friendly. I remember 
you couldn't leave the locker room without making plans to go somewhere else with the team. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like <laughs> this is, like, so overwhelming because it's literally, like, you go to practice for four hours, then you go to the dining hall for an hour with them, then you might all separate shower, <laughs> and then you go to the library together, and then, you know, your social life is pretty much them, too. Any parties or gatherings, it's the same crowd. So, I mean... From an outside perspective, like seeing it as a click, yeah, we spend 24-7 together. Like so, there's no going around it. And do you think that's common or did you get lucky? No, I I mean, this might be a generalization, but I think any college sports team is going to have that same dynamic. Um, you just spend so much time together. And it really is like a lot more emotional than you would think. So those are the people you bond with. So those are the people that you eventually want to be around. Right. So I guess even more into your personal life, what is life on the road like for a Division II female athlete? The biggest difference in Division II, I would think, would definitely comes when you go on the road because you are putting in so many more hours for competition with not necessarily the same amount of resources. So I remember anytime we went on the road, I believe we were given 6 to $8. Hey, yo, that's a lot of McDonald's right there. <laughs> yeah, so that's, I'm actually really glad you brought up that point because, you know, you're supposed to be a college athlete and you're supposed to eat hot, healthy and fuel your body, but you're literally given $6 to eat. So you can imagine a lot of Wawa and a lot of right. trips because right. I stayed in Pennsylvania. I remember one time we, we would always play spring break in Florida. So as where most teams would fly down, we took like in one of those huge buses, um, so that meant sleeping on the bus floor and waking up and being expected to play the next day. Yeah, I think you could probably make a reality TV show out of those bus rides. Yeah, I mean, when you're a freshman, you have to share a seat. So that makes things even worse. Oh, like, no, you poor peasants. You poor freshman yeah. peasants. Literally. And then you, like, think about it and you're like, well, I'm a female athlete. So the end goal, excuse me, the end goal is my education. So, like, why am I subjecting myself to this right. torture? But, um, but just how hard is it to make sure your academics don't suffer? Right. Yeah, that's tough. And I think everyone has their own different journey with that. That's something that came a little bit easier to me over time. <laughs> that's another thing about Division Two is like our buses, whether or not we had Wi-Fi was like a coin toss. Oh, make or break. Literally. Was that like a make or break thing? Oh, yeah, because think about it. So it was a coin toss whether we had Wi-Fi, but also if we had outlets. So you imagine if you didn't prepare or you had to write a long paper and all of a sudden you see your laptop dying or you can't get on the internet to research or research one of your sources. Like, you imagine how frustrating that can be. You just have to, I mean, you just have to prepare like anything in life and be able to roll with the punches. Yeah, you're rolling with the punches and rolling with the way the bus turns and hopefully the outlets on the bus <laughs> as well. <laughs> Literally, exactly. Was there ever a time you felt just so overwhelmed that you doubted yourself and your abilities? Yeah, anyone that's close to me knows that it it literally happened once a year. I would get, like, deathly sick out of nowhere. Like, a common cold would, like, have me not being able to get out of bed and not even being dramatic. Well, maybe a little bit. But I, I'm just, as a person, this is something that I actually learned from college sports that took me a while to get out of, is I'm just so used to spreading myself thin. And that's what I was doing in college. You know, I was... I was juggling a nursing school curriculum with the intense hours of softball. I was working two part-time pickup jobs. I was just giving everything away and I wasn't saving anything for myself. 
and I was just overwhelming myself. But I mean, that's like the beauty and the struggle of being a Division II athlete is, yes, I received a scholarship, but if I was going to be there, I was going to have to pay for it. So I had to work. School obviously always came first. And then you do have the high demands of a Division II high caliber team schedule. I imagine that's where having a awesome team, like an awesome supporting cast, is something that like really helped you. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I mean, I love my team so much. Like at Westchester, that was those are some of the best people I've ever met in my life. And absolutely, I mean, nobody else understands it unless you're going through it. And like you can talk to some of your I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but NARP friends, non-athletic regular person people. Oh, <laughs> wait. Um, that was a non-athletic, what was it? Regular person. So am, I'm a NARP then. <laughs> so you may be classified as a NARP. Da- yes. Is it like, I, I don't, I think you guys are gatekeeping. What do, I real quick, and I don't want to get on it too much. A NARP, like, <laughs> is it is like the stereotypical Chad who goes to the gym and works out a lot. He's in shape, but is he a NARP? But what is, um, what is athletic is, I guess, what I'm asking. I... That's actually a really good question. I think athletic, it doesn't matter how actually physically fit you are. I think it's more in reference to the amount of time you have. So, like, if I was in class and a NARP walked in and was like, oh, my gosh, I have no idea how I'm going to finish this assignment. Like, I could imagine me snapping and being like, oh, really? You don't know how you're going to have to finish this assignment? I'm going to be on a bus driving to West Virginia, you know, spending my entire weekend playing softball, and I still have the same due date. Like, you know what I mean? It's kind of like a time thing. Right. So before I interrupted you, though, you were saying about NARPs. Like I said, with the whole time constraint thing, like I could complain or ask for advice from someone not in the same situation, which can sometimes be refreshing, but they might not give realistic advice. Yeah, it's hard to kind of, uh, you can sympathize, but it's hard to really understand when you haven't been through it yourself. Right. So say I was like struggling with a class or something and they would be like, okay, like, you know, they offer tutoring at, you know, whatever resource centers on campus from 1 to 3 p.m. every day. I would be like, well, that's awesome, but I have practice from 12 to 4 every single day. You know what I mean? Right. So it, it just might not be as realistic or helpful. So, I mean, being able to like go through that stuff with people that can relate and are going through it themselves is definitely really helpful. So let's take a break from digging into your personal life for just a second. I'm going <laughs> to ask you to maybe make some generalizations. I just want you to bear sure. with me. Do you ever feel that maybe we spoke on this earlier, uh, but I want to get into it a little more. Do you ever feel that women's athletics at your school took a backseat to men's athletics? Speaking directly about Westchester University, I do not feel that way you know we have a really great athletic program and people do everything that they can to make sure you know title nine and those kinds of things are put in place i always tell the story westchester's baseball team quick shout out to them won two national championships in five years so that's incredible if you drove past their fields after practice you would still see them breaking it every single day like from seniors to freshmen they're all putting in the work like Westchester just doesn't have a lot of money and it's for their athletic programs. So, you know, you kind of see all the athletic programs suffering in that aspect. But, you know, it, it kind of builds, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. 
you like you have to work for it. Now, would you say have you ever seen examples of like maybe not at Westchester in particular, but just in general where you're like, man, you know, women's sports it's kind of swept under the rug. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone is super thank God like the conversation has been started and everyone's super hypersensitive to, you know, making sure everything's equal and at least getting the ball rolling. So I really do think a lot of strides have been made in that aspect. I mean, of course, there's been a couple times where I felt like just because I played, you know, a women's sport, it was less important than a men's sport. Like, I, I think I was talking about earlier, my team, Westchester Softball, we won the PSAC championship in 2017, my senior year. So usually when you win a conference championship, you would be awarded a ring. And even if we had a fundraise or pay out of pocket or something like that, it was never even offered. And I thought that was just kind of like... I don't know. That didn't seem right to me. Right, That's yeah. something that you would love to have. Like, I would love to have a championship ring. I literally think about winning PSAC almost every single day. Was that Goodness gracious. In my life. So, yeah, it's yeah, clearly know, a right? huge deal, and I mean, you guys earned it. <laughs> right. So, and I know, like, that's not necessarily the case for some of the other sports teams. I don't want to make a generalization because I, once again, I don't know how they paid for it. They could have paid out of pocket for all I know. But I know it was just never even a conversation. And I think that was, like, something that kind of shocked me a little bit now kind of uh going with this theme of women's athletics is there maybe a common trend you see that people seem to just not grasp or maybe it's not that they don't grasp it they just don't know enough about women's sports that could lead to like maybe a stigma or something like man you know if i could just get everyone to understand this about women's athletics what would it be i think one of the big things with women's athletics that i noticed is you know how important mental health is for female athletes. I don't know if you remember, it was news in back in 2013, uh, a college athlete, Madison Holleran, she actually completed suicide and she was a track star at UPenn. And the whole thing was about how she seems like she had the perfect life. And it was a huge story. And, you know, everyone just couldn't understand or grasp, you know, how this wasn't even on anyone's radar. And I think that happens a lot with women's athletics because we do spread ourselves so thin and we're pulled in so many different directions. And it really is for the love of the sport. Like like I said, after your four years, there's no draft. There's no multi-million dollar contract unless you're a part of the 0.001%. So, you know, you're doing it for the love of the sport and for all the things that come along with it. But it's so easy to kind of just wear yourself out and give everything you have without refilling your own cup. And right. I think that's like a huge thing. So it's a whole bunch of like, hey, this is it. And, you know, you got to, this is it, and this is all you get. It's kind of hard to step back and, like, appreciate it without getting worn out. Right. And then there are so many other aspects of it. I mean, your your academics, how difficult your course load is. You know, a lot of people do work on the side, waitressing, you know, working in retail just to make extra money. Then you have your social life. You have your friends. You have, if you moved away for school, how are you going to get home for the holidays? There's so many different stressors, and it's so easy to just Put your, like, this is something that I brought into my adult life that I kind of had to take a step back and be like, this might not be the best thing for me, is we're so accustomed to just putting our head down and grinding and getting through it that it can really, really wear people down. And I think that's definitely worth a conversation and something people should be a lot more aware of when it comes to women's athletics. So now, speaking of emotions, I want to go back to you in particular. Can you kind of walk me through and describe the emotions of playing in, like, your final collegiate softball game, a sport that you've been playing for, like, 14 years, and then being hit suddenly with the it's over? 
Yeah, that that's actually something it took me a lot longer than that day to process. I was very fortunate and I moved home and I had a good couple months where I just kind of got to decompress and process all of those emotions. I actually, my senior year, I got really hurt. I tore my entire right knee up. Okay, that's about gross. Midway, yeah, and through like midway through the season. So that actually caused me a lot more like mental and emotional pain than it did physical because I was playing, but I wasn't playing at my best level and I was trying so hard. And like, I, I was really emotional because I wanted my parents to have a great final season. Like I was playing for them. Like they had done everything for me for the last 14 years. And I wanted them to be able to enjoy it. Being a senior parent, being on a senior parent on a championship team. Like I wanted them to be able to take all that in. And being hurt, I was just trying so hard. And I'm not necessarily sure I was, you know, giving them the best, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I was super emotional about that. My last game was, so I don't know if you're yeah. familiar with how softball. Can you walk, I was just about to ask, can you walk me through the final game? Because, I mean, you guys were historically and every year, you guys are very good at softball. So that makes me think there's a lot of, like, postseason action. Some people play on teams yeah. where, like, hey, we won two games this year. Last game of the season, like, that. that's it. Like, you know what's coming. How, like, what were the circumstances of you playing in your final game? Yeah, so we, thankfully, we I played on a team that had a chance at playoffs every single year. So my freshman year, so this is, I'll just talk about how the um, postseason goes for softball. So you have your conference championship tournament, and then you go on to something called regionals, which is, I think, a handful of conferences in that region, obviously, and they all play. So the top eight teams, I believe, are selected. And you play for, there's four separate teams, or they're, they're called pods. So then you play, and then the top two teams out of that region play. It's called Super Regionals. And then that team goes on to the World Series, which okay. would be the, like, Elite Eight. I think I got it. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah. Good so enough Good enough for 16, me. 16, 32. Okay. Yeah. It's, it, I don't know, the terminology is a little strange, but so... My freshman year, we made it to the Elite Eight, which means that we won Super Regionals on our own field, and we went to the World Series. It was one of the best experiences of my life because we were treated like, you know, a top team in the country. You're right, as you were. We had, you know, at, when playoffs comes, the NCAA, actually, the National Collegiate Athletic Association, actually ends up paying for everything. So we got to stay in the best hotels. No more $6 McChicken Nugget orders. Nope. Nope. We were living large. Um, then my sophomore year, we went to regionals. We lost my junior year. We went to regionals and we lost. And then my senior year, we won regionals in wise Virginia. I actually missed my college graduation, but it's all worth it. And then we came to super regionals, which we hosted. So it's the best of three against the team that won the other region. So my senior year, we lost our first game. So then we had to win two the next day. So we ended up winning the first game, so we forced a game three. So it was kind of like all or nothing. Um, kind of weird, but the team we beat my freshman year to go to the Women's College World Series was the team we were playing, and we ended up losing that game. So as sad as I was, those seniors were the freshmen that we sent home. Kind of cool. It was kind of nice for them to get the experience. Yeah, it almost also. came full circle. Right. So, I mean, that's kind of funny, but... Speaking of coming full circle, uh, I just want to kind of, you know, pick your brain a little bit. What is something you know now that you wish you knew, like first day, freshman year, 
You're about to be a Division II collegiate uh, student athlete. What is something you're just like, man, if I knew that, then I would have done so much better. I would have had such an easier time. Coming back to the whole, like, just putting your head down and grinding thing, something my coach would always say was to always work smarter and not harder. And that's something we celebrate as athletes. You know, whoever works the hardest, nobody can outwork you. And those are all true, but the idea of working smarter is so much more beneficial, like quality over quantity and doing what you need to do so that you can do what you want to do. And I think that poses for a much better quality of life. Now, Michaela, I've learned so much from our conversation. First of all, I just want to give a quick thank you for uh, enlightening me. No, you're welcome. <laughs> now, before I let you go there, is there anything you want to add? Division two definitely made me the person I am today. It kept me humble from working through lack of resources and taught me that you don't need the best facilities or free stuff to be one of the best teams in the country. And that's definitely something that I learned and something I value in my life today. Getting a life lesson out of everything. That's Michaela McSpadden. She's an expert when it comes to being a Division <laughs> II female athlete. My name's Hudson, and I'm not the expert. The views and opinions expressed by guests in this episode do not necessarily reflect those of the host and not the expert podcast.